Hey everyone, welcome back to The Complex. Today on Shiny Shorts, we hear the story of someone so affected by her emotional distress storms that even the smallest critique would send her into an emotional spiral. If you want to submit a storm or learn more about James's techniques, go to tlec.info or jamesochoa.com. There, you can subscribe to his newsletter, read his blogs, find his book, find the video education series, and even submit your own storm story to be on this podcast. All right. Now, without further ado, here is James reading the story entitled From Hell and Back. From Hell and Back. I'm a 46-year-old woman was misdiagnosed with panic disorder for most of my life until January of this year. I now know that all of my supposed panic attacks were really emotional storms caused by having untreated ADHD. Starting in my late 20s and continuing for most of my life until I found proper treatment for ADHD, I had almost daily reoccurring emotional storms regarding a repeated type of interaction between my supervisor and myself. Whenever any supervisor said anything even remotely negative about something that I was doing, this type of emotional storm was triggered. It could have been as harmless as, you made five typos on this document, or I'd like for you to change A when you do B. My thoughts would immediately become seriously illogical, even though, at the time, I was positive that I was thinking clearly. I would start feeling embarrassed and ashamed. I would start thinking I was stupid and a fraud. I'd ask myself, why haven't I learned how to do this correctly before now? Or, what is wrong with me? My inner voice would race through all the horrible things that I have heard others say to me throughout my life. My thoughts would spiral too fast. Way too overwhelmed, I'd start feeling confused. I'd wonder if I had remembered things wrong. I'd feel like I'd need to defend myself or explain myself, but I never opened my mouth. I was sure if I said anything, it would come out all wrong and would make me look even worse. My heart would pound and my hands would shake. I felt like crying and tried my hardest to hold the tears back. Unfortunately, I would often burst into tears and continue crying for between 10 minutes and 3 hours. For as long as my brain was stuck in that nightmarish loop of anxiety and self-deprecating inner voice. Depending on how important I currently thought the boss was and how demoralizing my storming mind construed the critiqued behavior to be, usually defined how long and intense my storm would be. My ADD did help me throughout the years, though, by giving me poorly functioning working memory, easy distractibility, and natural positivity. Between these frequent emotional storms, I was easily distracted and was able to forget about them and move on happily with my days. Thanks to proper ADHD treatment, parentheses, thanks James, in parentheses, these specific kinds of emotional storms do not happen in my world anymore. I still have emotional storms from other triggers, but I have much more control over them. My brain has finally been let out of its cage. Awesome. So, this seems like a fairly, I guess, typical storm for somebody with ADHD, other than the fact that we have 
almost what looks like an, an extreme version of the of EDS of the right emotional I mean, distress syndrome in these like you know ten to three hour crying right. sessions right. essentially right right can that be classified as a symptom of this person's ADHD or is that potentially something else like the panic disorder that she had talked about in the beginning well. The emotional stress is certainly a component of the attack or the anxiety attack or the crying fit. Uh, and so that spinning off the diagnosis of ADHD is absolutely a part of this. But the degree of severity uh, clearly appears that it's moved into a panic attack type of mode. Mm. Um, that is likely uh, in and of itself a separate diagnosis. And that's certainly known to happen. And so, can that build off of your ADHD? It absolutely can. So, you know, I talk about the mental and emotional stress that spins off it, right? Uh, that that being kind of a low-grade post-traumatic stress. But those stresses, you have to remember... This almost sounds like a high-grade post-traumatic yeah, stress. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's a... You know, a panic attack like that is a completely different even than a post-traumatic stress. Mm. It's a specific attack on the body that it's in a a stuck loop of fight, flight, or freeze. It's in a, uh, it's in a threatened mode that's that it's very hard like to get PTSD? out of. PTSD? No, that's panic what? attack. Okay, that's so, kind so of what's, ang- I guess, what's the difference, just as a small tangent, what's the difference between PTSD and a panic attack? So PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder is going to be event or events that have occurred in your life that have caused the threat response in your body to go off, that you feel like gotcha. you were going to die or it's impossible to get out of. Your adrenaline's pumping. Yes, really, and you have yeah. nightmares afterwards. There's symptoms that uh, disable your life in a lot of ways. And so that can be events that occurred that created that kind of traumatic condition. Mm-hmm. In a panic attack, you may have had uh, anxiety-related issues that have built up over time, fear, worries, things of that nature. But then you can get very specific things like this kind of a panic attack that you go into a crying fit. Some mm-hmm. people will have phobias. Some people will have uh, you know, fear of heights, things like that. Those can be started from post-traumatic stress events. Yeah, I was going to ask. But anxiety and panic disorder can become its own issue. And in gotcha. this case, when you've got that degree of an emotional disruption... It is uh, the root cause, I believe, is the ADHD mm. uh, in looking at this. In the, in the, from this story. Yes. Yeah, from this story. Because yeah. this is a uh, client of mine, as she uh, indicates, um, yeah. that I saw back earlier this year. And a very complicated history, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but you no, know, the root cause here is ADHD. Gotcha. So I guess getting a little bit more into the, the, emotional distress syndrome that she very vividly described um, in that every time anyone would do well specifically her boss anytime her boss would even give her the slightest correction right she would spin into this thing yeah and that seems like like something that's really on the edge of like being very very bad right well <laughs> because it, if you're teetering on that yes. edge of of either yes. going into an emotional distress storm or you know being normal that uh, that seems extremely like just i don't right. know irking right. and not a great place to be in in life i well, guess sure and so what you just described is what so many with adhd mm. some undiagnosed some untreated 
go through. It's exactly the classical space of an emotional distress syndrome right. aspect. In this case, it would be more of a severe case that you don't have much tolerance at all that throws you into mm. that storm. And you've got all these other complicated issues that layer onto it now. Because mm. you have to remember with any kind of post-traumatic or emotional stress at that level, they all layer on each other if you don't process them mm. out effectively. Now, so, you're, so you're saying like things from her past basically like would build up over time because she hasn't right. dealt with it or she right. hasn't addressed it or like it's So now whatever. we're talking... Does it have to be from her past or can it be well, in that moment? No, it can be in the moment, yeah. you know, the stresses, but the past history layers in, particularly when you don't know what it is. Mm. So here's someone that the panic issue started in her late 20s. Well, now she's in her 40s. We're talking 20, 25 years later. Yeah. She was living with it before then. Uh, and it's not that she may have not been getting good treatment in different ways from uh, professionals in my field. It's that if you don't understand the characteristics of ADHD and don't look through that lens, at least from a diagnostic point of view, things like this can be missed. Right. Which, you know, really brings me up to uh, <laughs> one of my bigger issues, which I was talking to Jules about before this, is that... Um, and I suppose I'll go ahead and go into yeah, it now. Go, it's called, it's all you. <laughs> uh, there's a whole process of um, uh, something that I'm incredibly passionate about in the field uh, that I term intervention fatigue. Mm. And intervention fatigue is when you're reaching for help, you don't get the right help, you don't get enough help, or you don't get help that's going to last you long term. Mm -hmm. And so within the model of ADHD and the treatment of ADHD, and that's, well, that's not anything, any wrongdoing of the person themselves. That's no, the wrongdoing no. of the practitioners and the treatment yeah, that they're actually I'm not getting, even, right? I, yeah, I wouldn't even use the word wrongdoing. I would say that there is a something that's been missed, something that didn't mm. look through a life history or have that consideration because ADHD, I'll be the first to tell you as a clinician, looks like a lot of other things. Right. And so, yeah, one of my major uh, passions and really something I hold as deep of a connection for as I do the emotional distress that spins off it is intervention fatigue. Yeah. That people really are reaching for help. If they don't get the right help, part of what happens is that they start to feel broken or worthless. Or right. I went to the experts and they still didn't know. <laughs> now what am I supposed right, to do? Right, right. Um, I, I tragically say... Um, that unfortunately so many of these cases like this are coming to me now yeah. that are really looking for understanding. And in her case, it really did open up and validate mm. a significant piece of missing information. It was a mm. root issue. Uh, and she's gotten much better in a very short period of time, as I call kind of connecting the dots. Yeah. It's not that she didn't have good skills or good things to work on. Or good it, strategies or ways of living. It was exactly. just that it was a misdiagnosis. Exactly. Huh. So uh, just out of curiosity, what is? can you think of the worst intervention fatigue you've ever seen? Do you have something off the top of your head of like somebody that's been to like 30 practitioners or well, something like that? Uh, this, is, this is in the top. This is okay. certainly in the top say 25 this one that i've seen yeah, in 30 okay. years and if you look at it but i've seen ones recently um i was working with a young woman uh she was in uh, she was 19 she was a young adult 19 20 21 something yeah. like that and she had had 19 interventions oh of God. support in her life at that age 
it's like an things. average of one a year from birth. <laughs> like this. Well, and the challenge with that is it's not that her parents weren't supportive or people weren't right, trying right. to help her. The interesting piece to me is that in my work with her, my dialogue and education about neurology and how her mind learns and the process of what ADHD looks like opened up an entirely new chasm for her mm-hmm. of understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and much of the time, that validation of just needing to know what it is and yeah. what I can do about it yeah. is what the hallmark difference is. Yeah. And so I think that if you stay too far on the diagnostic realm or putting a spotlight on someone to try to assess and figure it out, yeah. rather than to dialogue with them to understand the challenges they've had. Um, and to understand the intricacies of the disorder and right. it's it's... Kind of how it how it comes about. Yes, yes, and right. I can tell you that um, the vast majority of people listening to this um, will understand the ideas of intervention fatigue, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is going to be a significant part of um, the new process of a book that I think is beginning to develop with mm. my writing coach and editor. Book number two. Yes, the uh, what, great what? great mentor of mine, Keith, would say, "I'm with book," uh, <laughs> and I it, it's it's a very <laughs> I love that. I'm with books. Yes, uh, <laughs> Keith was Keith. My Keith Miller was a dear dear mentor of mine, and uh, he he wrote 24 books. By oh wow! Before he passed on, at he was player. with many books. He was with many books. And he at was. the same time, he was. He was with <laughs> Did he have twins at yes. any point? I don't know if he read twins. Um, but the reality is that in that process, I've been meeting with my writing coach and editor since January, okay. and I've been evaluating kind of what. I know three and a half years later after writing Focus Forward. Do you want to give a a hint as to what it's about and or the title? Do you have that yet? Oh, no titles yet. No real titles yet. Um, You know, there's... Soon though, I hope. Yeah, well, it's going to be around intervention fatigue for one. Because I want to teach other professionals about making sure that they don't miss this. Mm. And that when people are reaching for help, they're getting the right help. I want to expand the information I know about meditation, mm-hmm. about your emotional safe place and how to use your imagination, yeah. how to personalize your strategy. So I've really been, believe it or not, continuing to work overtime. I'm really diving into the middle of the emotional distress syndrome yeah. um, and even have found a new post-traumatic stress uh, symptom uh, treatment, mm. much like EMDR, uh, that I'm beginning. What is EMDR to, for people? Who so uh, EMDR is a eye movement desensitization reprocessing. It's a post-traumatic stress disorder treatment that I've been trained in since 1994. Mm. Um, I'll go ahead. Spoiler, spoiler alert here. Mm. Um, that about a year and a half, two years ago, I met a psychologist here who's uh, using a, a system called emotional transformation therapy or ETT. Um, and it is similar in that it treats PTSD. I have found that I'm actually able to get to the emotional distress syndrome more mm. effectively. The challenge is going to be the training curve, which there's not a lot of people trained in this process. And, yeah. But what I've learned in using it is giving people new information about how to use their imagination and how to deepen the relationship with themselves. But there's a lot of exciting changes going yeah. on, and I'm going to tell people more than a few times really you want to sign up for my newsletter and we'll put a link on there because that's really where I'm uh, giving information on kind of what's going forward. I've got some really exciting changes for next year 
to be able to help more people uh, into really being a single person in South yeah. Austin, Texas on how <laughs> to make that difference. Awesome. So getting back to the story a tiny bit, um, we were just talking about um, the the emotional <laughs> distress syndrome and right. how how it's related to PTSD. Correct. How it's how it can be desensitized through EMDR, ETT, right. what, which you were just talking about. How is it that something that seems this pervasive and and so fundamental in somebody's life be be essentially fixed through almost detraumatization, right? So if you take somebody through, can it not be fixed? Yeah, I is wouldn't that? put the word fixed okay. in there. It can be desensitized, which is my reaction to feeling so painful or so ashamed of my okay. history. So, so what would, what would that look like in the moment? Because if somebody's having like having an EDS storm, an emotional distress syndrome storm, and you you take one person that hasn't had any kind of treatment, treatment or, work or work with it, and then you take another person who has had treatment, what are the differences between those two? One of the biggest differences is that your startle response or your reactivity is likely much less. You don't react to the storm in the same kind of a severe survival instinct reaction. And so okay. you can feel and even tell yourself to yourself, oh, I know what's going on here. This is a storm. Okay. So there's a better balancing act of knowing what's coming or what's happening. Okay. Two, you've got better resources because you don't feel so as emotionally triggered mm -hmm. or activated. And you so you can kind of think clearly. Yes, and, you can think clearly, yeah. but you can also then begin to take action in areas of resource. I can go take a bath. I can go take a walk. I can call someone in my pot of support. Yeah, yeah. I can do things rather than hole up in a closet or yeah. uh, huddle on a couch and binge watch something on netflix <laughs> for 12 hours i mean yeah what, what do we do to try to take care of ourselves in those storms right. thousands of things yeah and i mean we can even use this storm as an example um that we read today because you know just the tiniest little thing you could see set her off yeah and and would trigger this this whole right almost like cascade of yes. things happening right and if she had or I, I guess after she had gotten mm -hmm. treatment, she would then be able to kind of notice that cascade starting, stop it, and and kind of repurpose herself, put her energy right. reach elsewhere, for support, those reach kind for of support, things. whatever. But remember, I mean, one of the first things I did with this mm -hmm. individual was certainly educate them about what was going on. But yeah. then we immediately began to work with these internal worlds in her imagination okay. and using mindful meditation in a much more of a relational way of building a relationship she had with it to be able to calm herself mm -hmm. that makes a significant difference across the board um and like i said i believe uh people get better faster with that kind of dialogue education and information because then you're leaving with something to do about it with right. learning something yeah. not just you have an a, action to go carry out instead well, of just like right. a conceptual framework almost or just a counseling model <laughs> that is very helpful in narrative and mm -hmm. very beneficial uh but if it's not really directive and action oriented or it's got that coaching kind of style of mm -hmm. moving forward um it can really miss the mark unfortunately gotcha well, is there anything else that you found that stood out in the storm to you? Um, I did. There were a couple things here that I really wanted to uh, to point out. Um, and, you know, one of it is, is that 
when you're seeking help um, throughout your life on the ADHD, if you have ADHD and you're diagnosed on mm-hmm. that spectrum, when you're seeking help for it, it's a lifelong endeavor of mm. looking for that support. So for that's many, why it can't get fixed. Well, that's right. why the word was right. not. Yeah, okay. That's why it wasn't gotcha. accurate because yeah, yeah. you can learn to navigate it. But for me, at fifty-eight, it was certainly different than what it needed to be at twenty-five. Yeah. Uh, so I continue to seek help and support by layering in different resources to take care of myself, new information that. How intriguing. do you know how that changes? Can you can you sense that within yourself? Is there a template that people can follow well, throughout the ages? It's interesting you say. You know, I, I watch and listen to Dr. Russell Barkley quite a bit. One of the he's the, I put him as a top neuropsychologist in the field for ADHD. He's been treating mm-hmm. it almost fifty years, and he's now currently looking at the aging process as well as um, uh, there's a great psychologist on the East Coast. Her name will come to me here in just a second who's been studying aging and ADHD Mm -hmm. for years. And so you developmentally, you may see a lot of the hyperactive impulsive elements of ADHD dissipate in your fifties or sixties. But the inattentiveness Could you start, sticks Yeah, around. you start leaning more towards inattentiveness yeah, as you get older. you do. Those things stick around, but they're also coupled with memory changes and natural aging issues in your 50s and 60s. And so yeah. uh, those kind of couple together. But I do think that if you can keep the emotional distress syndrome or that piece from getting too big of a, a stronghold or too big of a, a, a wave going within you, you can really stay centered in taking care of yourself. Yeah. So I just want people to know that when you look for help and seek help, you get help. It is beneficial, um, but you have to do it, you know, kind of throughout your life. Yeah, and make sure that it's something that you can maintain throughout your life too. It's not just something that you want. Right. That that's kind of shiny to you right now. Well, and I know you've <laughs> talked about well, that before. <laughs> but it's it's funny you would say that because the shiny part is that you keep finding new things. So mm. for me, I continue to research spirituality and the things around um, near-death experiences okay. has been yeah. one of my interesting uh, uh, psychology reads in the last two or three years. Yeah. But, but I deepen my desire to kind of understand myself by continuing to find something interesting or mm-hmm. shiny. But you um, keep it with an interest that you have in sure. that specific thing. Yeah, and that passion certainly helps me with follow through, but it yeah. helps to deepen and really uh, hold develop my resources. Gotcha. Um, I see last, you have one more. I've thing, got yeah. one more thing, <laughs> okay. and, the, and the last thing I want to put there is that um, the side effect she talks about at the end of the story. Mm, I'm laughing yeah, a little yeah. bit because it's 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 kind oh of, yes, it's kind the, of dark the... dark it's kind of darkly <laughs> funny, right? Right. That the... because of her poor working memory and easy distractibility and natural positivity, she doesn't really remember the storms months, and mm. so she kind of moved on happily with her days. But obviously, it was still affecting her. Well, I think so, but I do understand that move on happily. It's sometimes mm-hmm. my wife will say, "Well, at least you have a short memory." <laughs> we go through storms, and I'm like, "Yeah, well, that's true." Um, but I do think the emotional effects are there potentially unconsciously, mm-hmm. and that's why you need to resource yourself with mm-hmm. meditation and well, exercise. Well, I think and I think like that, that makes sense from a from a physiological standpoint, right? Because if if you're if you're uh, adrenal system gets kicked up your right. fight flight or freeze, freeze right. gets kicked up and then all of a sudden you just kind of forget about it and keep moving that adrenal system is still pumping for a little bit right. and, and it's still released a bunch of hormones into yes, your body yes, that that will definitely affect yes. something well right 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 and so i i think you're accurate in in a 
in kind of guessing that it does affect something. Um, right. And in, in some ways, the movie on Happily is a, is a coping strategy and a yeah. good resource for the moment, treating it at a deeper level, long term, and really building your resources to the key to all this, though. Yeah. Okay. Great. Well, if anybody wants to go find out more about what James talked about today, either the intervention fatigue, uh, anything about medication, anything about uh, the emotional safe places that he talks about, you can go find blogs on all of those topics on his website, tlec.info or jamesochoa.com. Um, and you can follow him on social media. Stay up to date with his newsletter by going to his website and signing up. And yeah, yeah we'll put those links on uh, the end of the show today on a couple of the other links of things that were of interest to me here if folks want to go research those. Yep, sounds good. All right, well, thank you, James, for another great episode, and we will see everybody next month. Yes, at least hear them or listen to them. They'll tow. All of the above. All of the above. <laughs> <laughs>